So today is the 18th of January, uh, 2551. We've just completed the seven days of practice in honor and memory of our teacher, Lumpur Cha Apinubon, uh, 16 years after his death. It's a time to recollect the way of practice, the way of training that Lumpur Cha left us. Um, this is the way of practice that leads to the end of suffering and provides our hearts and minds with the means to transcend all conditions, all moods, all sense objects. Through abandoning all forms of craving and attachment in the mind. <clears throat> I remember before I ordained as a monk, I went to pay respects to Lumpur Cha at Wat Pung Latiwan, near my home, where I was born and where I was living and working at that time. I had already begun practicing the Dhamma at home because I started quite naturally to contemplate and see the suffering inherent in our life as human beings to see the attachments that we build up and how many problems and how much suffering they, they bring to us so I was looking for a way out of dukkha, out of suffering this is the beginning of the noble path this is the noble truth of dukkha arya satcha and dukkha is something that has to be known penetrated, understood and it leads on to the quest, the search for the, to find the true path out of dukkha, away from dukkha and this is the, what it means to practice following the teachings or the way of the Lord Buddha. First we practice from the books, from listening to teachers. Then we go on to develop that practice in our own minds. We go to the monasteries, spend time meditating, contemplating, keeping precepts. And importantly associating with the Sangha. And this is an important cause and condition for our progress in the practice, especially in the beginning. Just as the Buddha said, Sevana Chabalanang Bandita Nancha Sevana by associating with the wise, those who have have experience in the practice, this will lead to progress. So before I became a monk I actually went to visit many teachers of the forest tradition, mostly disciples of Venerabhaja Man one teacher in particular I became close to was Lumpur Bunna, who had been living at that time with Lumpur Kao for about five years. But he had also studied with many of the great teachers of the era, Lumpur On, Lumpur Fan, Lumpur Lui, Lumpur Pan, and so on. That year he came to practice in Sarapuri, near my home. So I had the chance to visit him many times and this increased my faith in the way of practice hearing his teachings, asking him questions and my faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha and the path of practice really became strong then once we have faith then we start to think about the Dhamma and develop right view we develop that strong conviction in karma and its fruits in the, the existence of other realms of existence hell, heaven and so on to see that all beings when they die they go according to the fruits of their karma they're born and die uh, and it's so easy to make bad karma and 
fall into a birth in one of the four realms of misery, the Abhayabhumis. But all of this stems from the mind, the, our minds. Hell and heaven, they come from the mind, they, they're created by our minds. Even Nibbana comes from the mind. Nibbana means the mind that is free from kilesa, free from greed, hatred and delusion. It's that purity of mind, and that's what we call Nibbana. The Lord Buddha was one who was free from kilesa. He completely abandoned all kilesa, all greed, hatred and delusion from his mind. It was Samucheta Pahana, completely gone, abandoned. And we are receiving the fruits of his great compassion through his teachings and the way of practice that he left us. Ever since the time of the Buddha, the enlightened Sangha has come into being those who have the faith to practice, follow the way of practice right through to the cessation of all dukkha and the ending of uh, the abandonment of all defilements. And that's been continuing ever since the time of the Buddha right down to the present day to our teacher Lumpur Chah. So once we have faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, this is the cause, the motivation to practice. That year I sent uh, Lumpur Buddha to spend the reins with Lumpur Louis, one of his teachers. That was another chance to hear the Dhamma. It was that time, at that time that I began to become inspired not just to keep the five precepts regularly, but to keep the eight precepts and to increase my efforts in bhavana, in meditation. Practice of bhavana, mental cultivation, is the way to develop a peaceful mind. We have to use a gamatana, a meditation object. This could be recollection of the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, the recollection of death, Marunanu Sati, where we contemplate that life is uncertain, death is certain, or the recollection of the in-breath and the out-breath, Anapanasati. Whatever meditation object we used, we have to depend on our own skill and efforts to develop that. Um, but if we keep changing objects all the time, that will be the cause for confusion and disturbance in the mind and it will increase our doubts about the practice. At that time I was still working, so I had to combine my practice with working. After I got home at night, I practiced meditation, and this was a way to rest the mind after a full day, day's work. In the morning before going out to work, I chanted and meditated, and I would put food in the bowls of the, visit, the monks who would visit our uh, neighborhood every day. On the weekends I would go and stay in the temple to study and practice and when listening to the Dhamma um, I came to understand how suffering arises in the mind, how we attach to uh, all the sense contact we see. When the eyes see a form, ears hear a sound, the nose contacts smells, tongue contacts taste, body contacts contacts, touch, or the mind itself experiencing different objects, Dhamma Aramanas. Through attachment we tend to see them as good and bad, and the good objects we start liking and wanting. The bad ones we have aversion for, we, we don't like, don't want. And this conditions the mind. So we have to learn how to see these objects and this sense contact with mindfulness and wisdom. 
to contemplate to see that really, really they're all just elements of nature that are rising and passing away. The eye, the form that the eye sees, and the visual consciousness that arises, these are all just elements in nature. They're what we call samuti satcha, conventional reality. But through our ignorance, we immediately give labels to all these objects. We give labels and descriptions that take over the mind. So, for instance, we have this building, we call it a sala. You can have a different name for this sala building in whatever language you speak. Um, but the sala itself doesn't know anything. It doesn't know its name. This sala doesn't know if it's a big sala, a small sala. It doesn't know anything. All of that are the labels and the apparent reality that we put onto it. If we train our minds to penetrate and see through this, this is the way to reach Vimuti, liberation. It's through seeing through Samuti or conventional reality to this deeper truth that we, we can free our minds from attachment. Or like say this glass here, what we call a glass when the mind has contemplated with mindfulness and wisdom we can penetrate through to see that really what we call a glass is just four elements earth, air, fire and water that come together this is what we call insight and the effect on the mind is that it brightens the mind and brings peace to the mind and we come to understand the teaching, all the different teachings that the Buddha gave that when we attach, suffering must arise, and it's because of delusion. So we come to see all material phenomena are subject to the three characteristics of existence. They're impermanent, unsatisfactory, and they lack a self, a substantial, enduring self. Insight means that it's no longer just a memory or thinking about these teachings, but actually knowing clearly with one's own heart this is what we mean by panya or pawana maya panya and this is what leads us to give up attachment and the result is increasing faith and conviction in the practice increasing rapture and happiness in the mind and contentment that comes through seeing the true nature of reality I experienced this at this time um, sometimes for periods of many many days on end having come to see this truth so clearly in the heart at that time I could also see the value of the, the way of training the value of using sila for living in a virtuous way to support meditation and I could see this, the way samadhi supports the arising of wisdom at that time I had no wish to collect any wealth from the work I was doing um, I was doing dana every day I would make offerings to monks go to the temple and make offerings because I could see that when we leave this world when we die we can't take any of that wealth with us we leave everything behind so by the year 2519 I was ready to consider taking uh, the robes asking to be admitted to the Sangha that was the year I travelled to Wat Nongwapong to uh, take up the training of a bhikkhu. By that time I was already using Maranānusati as my regular reg meditation object, recollecting death all the time. 
all the time I could see that death is the only certainty in life life itself and everything else in this world is uncertain and I'd apply this reflection to any attachment that arose in the mind really this is what we call a samatha practice a way of making the mind firm and concentrated but because of the nature of the object contemplating death it leads quite naturally onto the practice of vipassana insight meditation and it's this is the way that one of the ways we can make our minds peaceful so once I arrived at Wat Nongbapong for to begin my training as a bhikkhu Lumpur Cha taught that in the beginning of the practice we have to be humble we have to develop a sense of respect for our fellow samanas in the Sangha we have to set aside our background and our normal clinging to the status our education wealth and so on that we usually held to in the lay life we have to give all of this up because we're beginning the practice although we take on the robes of a monk, a bhikkhu and shave our heads this is still just a convention samuti satcha. it's not yet that the the mind of a monk the mind of a bhikkhu has arisen inside our mind, our heart yet so we have to learn how to give up our attachment to views and opinions and conceit if we become a pakhau an anagarika we have to learn how to respect a novice a novice has to respect the bhikkhus junior bhikkhus respect senior bhikkhus and so on we have to learn how to practice moderation in the use of the four requisites we have to learn how to contemplate every day for instance when we take food we have to learn how to eat just enough for our needs not to indulge when we sleep we have to learn how to sleep just enough for our needs and not to indulge we have to learn how to practice sense restraint with sati, with mindfulness when we have sense contact when there's seeing arising when there's hearing arising tasting, touching and so on we use mindfulness with all, all of this sense contact we use mindfulness at that point where the internal ayatana and the external ayatana meet all this information that comes to us through our senses the sense doors, it comes down to the mind so this is where we also have to observe with mindfulness guard over the mind to stop it falling into liking and disliking when you contemplate this you can see that liking and disliking is existence, it's bawa which leads on to jati, birth it's the cause for fresh birth and where there's birth it must follow on to with old age sickness and death more suffering the first year as a bhikkhu I had plenty of energy in the practice much pity and sukha was arising sometimes for many days sometimes for many months at a time the five hindrances seemed to become something that was external to the mind because in internally the mind was very still and peaceful I could still have sleepiness arise because the mind and the body were becoming tired but this was more like an external affair it was inside that the jitter was still and peaceful I once went to ask Lumpur Chao what I should do once the mind is still how I should practice 
I'd already been thinking about contemplating the jitter itself, thinking this must be the, the way to go, to purify it, just to purify it from any attachments and delusions. But he said, contemplate the body. And out of respect for my teacher, I believed him and took that teaching away to practice. I began to make this the foundation of the development of wisdom and insight, contemplation and investigation of the body. And this is an important point. When you have a teacher, you have to learn how to respect your teacher's guidance and advice. In the practice of Samatha, I was using the recollection of death and Anapanasati to make the mind peaceful. So it was not yet uh, what you would call practicing a super gamatana. This is the method, what we call Panya uh, developing Samadhi, or wisdom developing Samadhi. Using recollection, using wisdom to make the mind peaceful. Lumpur Chao said sometimes you don't actually need to use an imitator of anything to make, teach the mind to see that the body is an Dukkha Anatta. Sometimes you just contemplate it for yourself, reasoning through in your state of peace and that's enough for the mind to understand and let go and if that works that's okay from that time as I explained last night I took the time to find uh, the chance to go and stay in cremation grounds places where people had been burnt or buried as a very useful technique for dealing with fear and really contemplating getting down to the heart of attachments. When we contemplate, we're contemplating in the present moment. We learn to see that death is imminent in the present moment. This is what gives rise to immediate awareness in the present moment. And the result is a cool, peaceful mind. So from my first few verses, this is how I was practicing. By the fourth vasa, my mind started to attain very deep, concentrated states of peace. And I could see how Nibbana was very close by. But however long, however long the length of time that the mind goes into a state of deep, peaceful stillness, it always has to withdraw from that state because it's still a sankata dhamma, an impermanent condition. So we have to learn how to keep bringing up effort into the practice to keep developing this stillness and keep investigating, contemplating. We have to contemplate the impermanence of this body, the fact that we're going to die. Contemplate how to see how this body is made up of the four elements of earth, air, fire and water. Use this as our gamatana. The death recollection and the contemplation of the elements are still samatha techniques to calm the mind but they run quite naturally into the contemplation of the three characteristics applying them to to this body and that's what we call vipassana as I proceeded to experience better results from my practice this of course gave me greater confidence and conviction in the practice and greater energy and sometimes I could see that even though Our efforts, we seem to be putting in maximum effort and we can get tired and we don't seem to be quite there yet. Actually, insight is right around the corner, very close. And it only needs a slight increase in effort for us to see something or have a breakthrough. 
We need to keep investigating the body over and over again to see its unattractive side, to see how it's impermanent subject to change, to see its fragility and unsatisfactoriness. This body is just a bag of skin that encloses all the organs, the flesh, the bones and liquids of the body. We have to keep investigating this way to see the impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and lack of self in this body. And this is the way that our doubts and uncertainty about the practice will be removed and we'll be surer and surer of the way to practice, the efficacy of the practice and we'll be confident that it's the way that leads to a peaceful mind and a pure mind. We have to accept that the practice of samadhi is difficult to develop so we have to use patience and endurance especially in the beginning. We have to keep at it, keep applying our minds to the barikama, the preparatory meditation object. We might use butho or dhammo or sankho as a gamatana. But at the same time we have to learn how to have a balanced effort, how to relax our efforts if we're getting too stressed or too tense. You don't want to concentrate so hard that you put yourself into a painful, stressful state of mind or body. So find the right balance. As the mind starts to experience some peace, then the five hindrances will fade away and we'll learn how we can take refuge in the mind itself. Because really our our mind, the peaceful mind of samadhi, is the only real refuge in this world. Just like on a hot day when we want to go into our kuti to get into the shade and find some coolness out of the hot sun. Similarly, we practice samadhi to let the mind go into this state of coolness and happiness where it's free and away from the stresses of the world. So samatha is a practice we have to develop often but from this we learn to investigate the Dhamma as well and we have to do that often. This is the only way we can reach Maga Samakhi where all the factors of the path come together unifying in the mind, Sila, Samadhi and Panya. And we have to understand that sometimes the mind becomes stubborn. It doesn't want to investigate. It likes to attach to the stillness, the coolness of samadhi. So we have to be aware of that, be ready for that. Sometimes I've found periods when large numbers of nimittas would come up into the mind and try to overwhelm or confuse the mind. You still have to apply sati and panya and the three characteristics to your experience whether you're having no nimittas, a few nimittas or a lot of nimittas you have to learn how to use these three characteristics apply them to anything arising into your experience so that you can let go of it, see through it, penetrate it get through to that state where you can see it as the three characteristics or the four elements and this is what leads to that emptiness of mind that comes with insight Whatever the mind attaches to, we must investigate it in our own minds constantly. Sometimes we might see our own image of the subtle body inside our minds. Uh, The the subtle body that we can see in our mind, it might become so subtle that we just see this body as threads, strands of light or air. This is an expression of peace and insight, the result of our practice. Once on Tudong, one night I was practicing, I saw the body as 
it was revealed as the three characteristics. I could see how both the practice of samadhi has its levels of refinement. We uh, go from the core through to the refined in, in, in concentrating the mind. Um, similarly, insight has its levels of refinement. We might have some deep insight that reveals the, th- the body as impermanent, unsatisfactory and not self, but then a subtle sense of self can form around that insight and we can say, I have insight, this is my insight. So we must learn to contemplate that. We have to see that there's always a, m- a more refined level of attachment forming and be ready to contemplate that. Sometimes we might see the body as the earth element but keep investigating to let go of any sense of self that forms around that insight this what we call subhava dhamma where the mind sees the true essence, true nature of reality we have to keep coming back to the basics in practice don't see the barikama as a coarse thing just a beginner's practice that we should soon give up it's something you have to keep returning to and keep developing because this is our vehicle for developing the pity and the sukha that gives the mind that sense of detachment and ease inside. You have to learn how to use the barikama to bring up pity and sukha regularly. This is the only way the mind will become firm in samadhi. When you practice barikama to the point where pity becomes really firm, then your mind seems unshakable and it will keep going in, penetrating inwards deeper and deeper. With this, the pity and sukha will develop and from this our insight will develop and that also develops further pity and sukha as our investigation of the body deepens from contemplating the external 32 parts we analyze it, break it down we start to see it as the four elements sometimes I'd have experiences many different variations of insight would arise for instance, I might be contemplating and see the head as an Dukkha Anatta. At that time, the whole head would seem to become disjointed from the rest of the body, like a white lump, a white mass just floating off from the body. That's just one typical in- example of how insight, how it might reveal itself, give its result. But there's many variations on this. The main thing is that it's an expression of the purity of mind, the mind freeing itself from greed, hatred and delusion at that time. We also have to learn how to contemplate Vedana. When we're ill, when we're tired, we have to learn how to keep this body and mind light in a wholesome state of mind with mindfulness and unattached to the Vedana, even when there's severe illness. We have to see all the Sabhava Dhammas, all those elements and things that exist in nature, whether of the past, the present or the future, all as the same. They all just arise and pass away. There's no self in any of it. There's no sense of me being something. Even the sense of me being an Arya Pugala who has seen the Dhamma, that's just another thing to let go of, to see through. The mind will keep developing samadhi, keep developing banya and free itself from attachment if we keep practicing in this way. Sometimes the most marvelous, miraculous things can happen. That year at Wat Nongbapong, 2536, my mind 
practicing there when Lumpur Chao was still alive, the mind seemed to come together three times into deep samadhi and then withdraw out of that experience. And at that time I was investigating the body. Having investigated the body to see it as an Icha Dukhanata, the mind went in again, came out again, investigated further, went in again, three times. Coming out of that experience, it seemed that all phenomena in this world are empty of any form of self. All material things have, have no, no basis in self. Uh, and practicing on like that to the year 2538, 2539. I consider all forms of attachment formed by any kind of material phenomena in this world. They're just a cause for further existence in birth, more power, more judgment. Even the most simple mood of the mind, say the dislike for the company of other people, dislike going to meetings, chanting, meditating together. I could see even that, or the desire to just be alone in the forest, is still a form of existence and birth in the mind. It's still bhava and jati. We have to learn how to contemplate in this way, to see through all con- conventions and attachment to conventional reality, to see that there really is no self on any level. And when you reach the highest level of this insight, there's really nothing left to speak about. It goes beyond anything that words can describe. So please contemplate this. See how the Buddhist path that leads to the end of suffering is based on the practice of this Dhamma, this Vinaya, and it's for the ending of all attachments. We don't have to be in doubt about the teachings of Lumpuman, Lumpucha. It all begins with this practice of Barigama Pawana. In the beginning we have to struggle and put effort into it, but later it will become more natural, more automatic to the mind. Lumpur Chao once reflected to me, to me when talking about people going to India to pay respects to the Bodhi tree where the Buddha was enlightened. He said, can't the Lord Buddha arise in Thailand? Meaning that Buddha nature, the, mind, the pure mind of the Buddha, can't it arise anywhere in the world? through the practice. He left this as a teaching for us to contemplate and to follow. We, it's up to us to make our mind the mind of Buddha or Buddha, one that is awake and realized. So please determine your hearts and minds to put all your efforts into the practice. <laughs> Da 